What's up, gang? Welcome back. Back here hanging out by myself. We did our last week's episode with Keanu. That was a fun time. Didn't talk about socks at all. It was a pure comedy episode for uh, yeah all you uh, investing fans. You must have uh, enjoyed that. So um, back uh, back here by myself with better audio because I'm not on a phone using the old trusted Sure SM58 mic. Gotta love it. Um, back in Michigan, I mean, been uh, I actually have now some time to really focus on trading. And seeing all the money disappear, not with <laughs> not with options, but with my long accounts, that's for sure. Today was a tough day to stomach. The last few days have been tough. It's like, and we have more to go. It seems like uh, things are going to get a little bit. We're not near a bottom. Every time uh, we go, we keep getting a little, a few dead cat bounces here and there, but sellers keep coming in strong, and they're probably going to continue, which is annoying. Um, but I had a, a little bit of break from it. I, I didn't trade end of last week into this week. Took a few days off from looking at it, um, which is always good just in general. But I was in Nashville Thursday till Monday, I think. Yeah, I was in Nashville over the weekend. And then with a family uh, trip in Ohio at the state park we used to always go to growing up for like years and years and years. So all my cousins planned a like a, a little trip at the state park in Ohio. That was awesome. I mean, that was just cool. Cause it was just like hanging out by a pool at like this lodge resort with these, you know, we had multiple cabins we were staying in super fun. Just like, you know, drinking all day pool, relaxing. That was great. A lot of kids, a lot of young kids, my family, a lot of my cousins, my mom's one of six. So I have a lot of cousins on her side and in my, on my dad's side in Iceland, but they're, I don't see them as often. They're overseas. Um, but I digress. Doing that, wasn't able to focus as much. Did a little bit of trading. Like, I think I did, like, one morning. I think I was there. I think Monday morning I did a quick, like, trade. One or two. Just things while I was eating pancakes. Nothing exciting. Just easy, simple money. <laughs> just lunch money, if you will. But it was good. Nice to relax. Not be near the phone as much. Nashville sucks, by the way. People keep talking about how that city's on the up and up. I know the real estate's going up. I think that's the only thing going up in that town, in my opinion. The food's okay. Food's fine. Food's good. You know, southern food. It's southern food's good, but it's also not hard to fuck up by by default. Like just by like what you're using, the the ingredients are not complicated. Southern foods like what fried chicken and uh, some collard greens, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, the potato salad. That whole thing, you know, it was there's people from like actual parts of the South be like, it's more to it than that. OK, cornbread. Sorry, I forgot cornbread and Waffle House. <laughs> Stayed near multiple Waffle Houses. I meant to go to one. I've been to one. I just wanted to go back because the last time I went, I went with a girl that I dated in Georgia for a while who was really lame. <laughs> and uh, I remember going with her and it was just like, this is dumb. And I want to go back by myself and think this is dumb. So looking forward to that. But yeah, Nashville's dumb. <laughs> it's hot. I also, it doesn't, I don't like country music. So that's, that also is like automatically, I'm not going to like Nashville. I don't hate country music. I just don't like it. And most of it, I really don't enjoy. Some I, I get on board with. It's weird. Some I can like, I can yuck it up and be in the moment. 
you know, the, the time I spent in Texas and the South and stuff like it, Texas, Georgia, whatever, different parts of the South, but generally not a fan. And every time I went to dinner, there was always some asshole playing acoustic guitar. It's like, can we not, can we not do that? I was like, after the, the, the second or third restaurant I went to with someone just playing acoustic guitar, I was like, oh, this is what all the people feel like at like bars and restaurants across Los Angeles. That are just full of like open mic nights for comedians. I'm like, oh, this is what. And I, I knew in some places you knew that was like. You knew that was happening because it was like early on in the the tenure of the show. To where the show hadn't been around long enough to where the regular bar crowd knows it's a comedy show on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. It was more like when the show just started getting kicked off. Only a few in and people didn't really know. And you're kind of like, oh, good crowd. Oh, wait, I'm just like interrupting a lot of dinners is what I'm doing. That's what that's what the acoustic guitar is in Nashville. It's like we don't need to no, turn it down, Nashville. Turn down the music a little bit. Broadway, nightmare. But if you're a single dude and you want to like try to hook up with some southern chicks, that's probably the place to do it of all places, Nashville, Broadway. It's just nonstop bachelorette parties. And I will say, Southern women are good looking. A lot of curvy women in the South. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the curves, and uh, Southern women got it going on, thanks to the uh, the cornbread and and uh, fried chicken we were talking about. I did get a uh, Hattie B's fried chicken. It was good, but I would never wait for it again. If I'm being honest, I wanted to go and experience it and enjoy it. It was fun. I had to wait like a half hour, maybe 40 minutes, on a Thursday night. I'm sure waits are normally longer. It was fine. I'm not. I'm a good friend of mine, Josh Florha, good comic. Always, and he went to culinary school. Big like foodie. So when he he has he has dope food recs. I don't respect everyone's food recommendations because some people put ranch dressing on their pizza still. So he's like, you gotta know, you gotta pick your battles with who you take your food advice from. And he's one I listen to. And he'd always say how Nashville hot chicken sucks, and he's right. It's nothing special. A good regular fried chicken's better. I will say the potato salad and mac and cheese at Hattie B's were fire. They put like pieces of pancetta or like bacon in their uh, potato salad. I'm pretty sure it was pancetta though. Definitely trying that shit. Anyways, moving on from Nashville. Back here. We can focus. We're trading for the next month for sure. I'm on East Coast time for uh, for the whole month of July, except for a week when I go to Missouri. I'm going to Missouri for a week, not for work, which is nice. Just going for a family trip in like ne- like next week or a week and a half from now, going to Branson. So again, I'll still be able to focus on trading during the day, which is nice. I'm glad to be able to do that, especially because things are going a little bonkers right now, as they have been. I mean, for the last few months, um, and but I like this uh, choppy market we're going through, just because. I mean, it it can be tough to stomach sometimes, but. And it's not always easy to trade through, but I'm I'm also kind of grateful for it because I'm learning my a lot because of it. I think 2020 and even into 2021, a lot of people, especially I wasn't trading options those years. And so I was just doing regular long-term investing. And so, which is fine. I mean, again, long-term investing time always wins, right? So don't really stress about that as much, but I feel like if you were trading options in 2020 and 2021, you probably thought you were bulletproof for a lot of it. And now you're probably sitting there being like, I've lost my magic touch. Where's my, where am I going? Like kind of like really like spilling spinning your wheels a little bit. I know that happened to me. That happens to me in comedy sometimes 
where you just feel like you're like in a rut and going through the motions and not writing a lot of good stuff. And you're like, what's going on? Like, why am I not performing like I normally should? That's when it's good to just step away for a hot second. But I like that this, uh, this, this chop is happening. Cause again, it's just helping me learn. Like even today I didn't trade once I, once I realized it was a pretty choppy day, I kind of just was like, you know what? I'm just going to just do some paper trading today. I've been doing that the last few days actually. Cause I'm still trying to, I want to get more cash in there. I do. I'll do real trades here and there, but I wanted. I was doing paper trading uh, today, and I'll probably do that tomorrow as well. But just trying to do simple stuff. Just trying to get what you can take from like just quick, quick moves intraday. Haven't been doing any swinging. Have just because honestly, I've been bad about looking at it. I haven't done any overnight swings because for overnight swings, I try to follow the Bueller course that I've mentioned in previous episodes. Bueller buys. If you want to follow him on social media, that's his Twitter handle and Instagram, I believe. Bueller buys. Good stuff. His course is great. But he, one of the things, his swing strategy, talks about a high probability swing strategy using piercing patterns and dark cloud covers. So knowing those two patterns, the piercing pattern being more of a bullish reversal, the dark cloud cover being bearish, going the other way. And so it's looking at those in the daily time frame. And sometimes when I miss them, I'll still go back and look at him and see, ooh, which ones would have worked out. And those are the ones I'll take like around power hour the day before and try to swing them overnight. They've worked great. Those those I've done those many times on paper to test a strategy and they've worked out to success, uh, to great success. So, but this has been a hard market to, to swing trade in. Just, it's been crazy. Uh, but even still, those those have been looking decent. I've just been bad about my schedule lately has been uh, just the last week between Nashville and Ohio. And, and it was kind of planned too, like taking some time off. So I haven't had time to look that, uh, to look at those in the evening and time it right to be like, oh shoot, I mean to make sure I put in those contracts before markets close, that kind of thing. I don't trade in after hours. Just it's too much crazy shit that goes on. Um, what else I want to move on to? Uh, but also learning, I made a note of this. This stuff right here, this, this kind of choppy market really kind of helps you learn the value of not forcing anything, which I've heard many traders talk about how important that is. Definitely learning that now, setting your expectations, not forcing anything, taking what the market gives you and really setting those setting those expectations and taking small wins versus just always looking for those big gains. Like if I'm making 10, 15%, 25%, sweet, great, 30%, great, let's take it, 40%, take it. No. Obviously, it's great when you get the 100%, 200%, 300%, that kind of crazy stuff that I see. and um, Or even thousands of percent. I've not hit a thousands of percent options trade yet. I will, but not yet. And so, but right now, just taking those small wins. Like even today, today was a super choppy rough day. And I think I came out with like 270 $270, not not leveraging that much cash. I mean, across all those contracts, I probably put it, put out less than a thousand. So that's over 20% on the day. That's great. You do that every day. Now, again, not do it every day, but that's the thing. If you, that's, that's just fine. And so manage those expectations. I think that's why too, when people talk about it's, it's funny. I try to bring up, like people will ask me about stocks and investing and, and, and even options. If we, if we talk about it long enough, and it's so funny how like nine times out of 10, when I bring up options, someone immediately goes, oh, well, it's gambling. And it's like, I almost get offended by that now because that makes you, it, it assumes that I'm like a degenerate. So when people say like, oh, it's gambling, it's like, do you think I'm an idiot? 
Like, do you think I would do that? Do you think I would just gamble my money? Like someone who talks about long-term investing, or you think all of a sudden I just want to get all cowboy with it? It's like, it's only gambling if you don't know what you're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, yeah, you're going to lose money. But what the fuck did you expect? If you don't know how to swim, hey, don't jump in. Don't jump off the diving board into the deep end. If you can't swim, maybe don't go in the ocean. Right? If you don't know how to trade options, uh, don't hop in the water with hedge funds. It's not going to go all right. So I don't understand that approach, but it happens like 90% of the time. Seriously. It's like, yeah, if you have no idea what's going on, not, not good, but you don't have to uh, go in like that. So, um, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I just think it's interesting. But then those same people will like, you know, run to pay like $75,000 a year. Not $75,000 a year. That's not how much expensive. That's not how expensive college is now. But they're the kind of people that will run off to pay, you know, $40,000 a year for some dumb degree that's not going to pay them. Um, anyways, I digress. Man, my computer's been run like shit lately. And also the the Apple... Um, I don't know if I've talked about this, but I hate the Apple stock app. It always runs like garbage. Is that just me? The stock app on all Apple products, on my MacBook, my iPad, and my iPhone, always runs like shit. I use another. I use the same one that I, I, I download that other app, My Portfolio, that I put on iPhone. I didn't think I was going to have to download another portfolio app, like a stock tracker app when I got my iPhone, but here I am. Because on Android, there's not one that comes with it, obviously. You just download whichever one you want. But iPhone, you get the one that comes with it. And I thought it was great because I liked the news articles they would send in, you know, that they would suggest with it. But it's just garbage. It always runs like shit. So I got to use my portfolio all the time. Anyway, that was just, I wanted to mention that. <laughs> going slow and pissing me off. But speaking of those articles, I think it's funny how so many of these financial articles right now are like, they're one. They're going one of two ways, right? Obviously, <laughs> they're either saying, "Well, the market sell-off will." My favorite one right now is the market sell-off will eventually end. That's my favorite headline across financial news right now. There's got to be a bottom somewhere. Hey, thanks for the hot tip. No shit. If if there isn't a bottom, then uh, then this is all. We're all in trouble. I've always said if it goes to zero, to, who fuck your your login for your brokerage account. Fuck that brokerage account. You just better have a gun under your mattress because shit got real. You know, you have to start bartering for tuna cans outside. Who cares how much Apple stock you have? <laughs> I don't think we're there yet. We're heading there. So that's my favorite one right now. The market sell will eventually end. Yeah, of course. I think we're at pretty good prices now. If you haven't, if you have no portfolio, it's not a bad time to start buying now. But if you do have stocks, chill out for a second and wait for this to kind of slow down a little bit. I do think there's still quite a bit of ways to go. I keep saying until the rich run out of money and we still they're slowing down spending, they're slowing down, but inflation's still way out of hand across the the world, not just here in the states, but globally. So, and of course, Fed Jerome Powell, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell today, today saying we now know how little we know about inflation. Well, that's comforting to know. Don't you run the fucking Federal Reserve? Isn't this your job, your only job to know that? See, the thing is, is they do know that. Like, I don't want to go down that, like, conspiracy route, but hey, let's do it. Because it's true. There's no way they didn't know this, right? Because people will tweet that stuff. They'll say, like, they'll kind of make jokes about it. And it's like, 
Yeah, dude, they did know it. Like they all made so much money on this recent bull market and now know that they're popping it and they're making money on the come down and know where to and, and, and just know they'll know where it will settle out. Right. And it's kind of like not just the U.S. bank that's doing it's not just the Federal Reserve. It's all banks globally that are raising interest rates and kind of like pushing almost not not pushing, but kind of forcing a recession. And I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of the one surefire way to stop inflation. It's just to make a recession. What I'm worried about, which I'm, I guarantee will happen as I look for a new apartment in the next few months here. I guarantee you that's when rents will start flying because everyone is like, mortgages are too much. Real estate is too high. Interest rates are too high. I'm going to rent just in time for me to join them. I'm telling you right now, it's June. Yes, it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't. I, ho- I would love to be wrong on that, but I don't think I am. Ugh. But yeah, so people saying making fun of Jerome Powell for saying how much they don't know about inflation, but they did know. They did know just like how uh, they knew that COVID was going to be worse than it was, and they all sold their stocks in February 2020. Remember that? When a ton of them sold massive amounts of stocks because there was a meeting, there was like a January meeting of Congress, like an emergency meeting for like high-level members of Congress in January, and shortly after they all sold their stocks. And then everything really hit the fan in March of 2020. Crazy. NFT are NFTs are people still like I, I, I feel bad making fun of NFT. I never bought one because obviously, but I feel bad making fun of it because I have good friends that are into it. But I'm just like, is it what? Like, what if that's <laughs> what if that becomes the one thing to beat inflation? Or not inflation, but a recession. What if that's the one asset that becomes recession-proof? It's not going to, by the way. (laughs) How funny would that be if everything else hits? Because I kind of joke, or not joke, but I just kind of say, like, in a bear market or in a true recession, there's no, like, safety net. There's no, like, hey, put your money in Walmart and ExxonMobil and you're going to kill it. Like, everything's taking a shit. Everything's hitting the fan. So it's like nothing is really safe. But how funny would it be if NFTs were the hedge? against a recession and inflation (laughs) it (laughs) i mean god that'd be rough that'd be rough um but if there is to be one one stock of my main portfolio that will not be as bad as everything else and could be a great one to take really good advantage of right now outside of the obvious that we talk about always like google and apple and those kind of things microsoft which i don't have a ton of yet but i want it is, uh, of course, Palo Alto Networks. I've been talking about that stock for years. Obviously, people who listen to this podcast know that regularly. But uh, a Morgan Stanley analyst came out today saying Palo Alto Networks stock is uh, too cheap. It's almost Because the, the stock is almost profitable and it's too cheap at this point. According to Morgan Stanley analyst Hamza Faderwala, what a cool name, asserts in a research note Thursday that Palo Alto Networks shares remain underpriced and he maintains his overweight rating and price target of, get this, $823 a share, which is a roughly about a 70% upside from where it's currently at, currently at 493 It's popping a little bit over and after hours, probably because of this news. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But I have noticed this as the things that, as the NASDAQ has been selling off and the S&P is off to its, by the way, worst start 
in uh, 52 years, since 1970. The S&P 500 is off to its worst start, worst six months. Uh, and traditionally, it's usually not as bad, but worse for the rest of the year. So that's why I say it's like you can buy now, but if you don't have any holdings, it's still good prices, but probably better to keep waiting because historically says we still have more to go. And that's what the other thing a lot of institution, not institutional, a lot of uh, financial news stuff is saying is we got 50% more down to go, which would be quite crazy. Again, nothing's off the table. I'm thinking more like 20 to 30% more, but 50 would be a little gnarly. Anyways, back to this Palo Alto stuff. So Palo Alto has been killing it. Great. You know, revenue has been growing. Everything's been going fine, but hasn't been profitable just yet, but should be by mid 2023. If they're following, if, if things could go according to what, uh, um, how they've been going and according to what they said at their, uh, earnings. Cause they're, I forget what their growth rates they were expecting. I don't know if they put them in here. Oh yeah. 30%. Let's see. Let's see. And also kind of making the point too, that. Uh, why I bring this up about being recession proof, you know, in quotes, nothing's recession proof, remember, but one that could be holding better throughout this time. When companies look to save money, one of the last things they're going to look to save money on is keeping out bad guys, right? It's kind of what this article says here. A lot of cyber hacks going on right now. A lot of, <clears throat> um, you got to protect your data, you know? And so, that's the, one of the last things companies are going to cut budgets on. And also Palo Alto is kind of supply chain proof. It's a software, they're software based. So what supply chain does like Palo Alto deal with? That's the, one of the biggest things people are dealing with right now, just across the board. So they're not going to be dealing with that. And they'll be profitable at this rate by mid 2023. So mid next year. So within a year, we're mid 2022, right? So within a year, they'll be profitable. And so this reminds me of Tesla because now if, if, if Palo Alto becomes profitable, once they do and they post four quarters of profit, they'd be a really strong contender to be added to the S&P 500, just like Tesla was in 2020. Remember, I believe September of 2020 or August of 2020. I can't remember when they officially got added. I don't remember. That may have been when the stock split was, but they that was one of the big driving things. Like There were so many things going for Tesla in 2020 and 2021. And one of those being finally becoming profitable after 10 years of trading sideways, the company finally posted a profit and then did it for four quarters straight because that's one of the the qualifications for to be included in the S&P 500 is you have to be profitable for four quarters, four consecutive quarters. So a year Um, they did that were added to the S&P. And when you get added to the S&P 500, you get automatically added to all these like indexes and mutual funds and like all these different. So it just it, it's a big it's a big boost for the stock, a lot more eyes on it. And Palo Alto has kind of flown under the radar for a while since I've been buying it. I mean, it's at 493. I bought it at 186, I believe it at 180 or 179, something like that. Initially, I think my highest buy is right at 500. So we're just right below that right now. Um but I'd love to see you go to 823. I've kept saying that Palo Alto, in the world of stock splits, Palo Alto is one that could be due for one. That's why they're, and it would be great if they did because their options, 
contracts are so expensive because of it. That's one thing that I like about these these splits too. Like a lot of people say, what's the point of splits? I've said before for employee compensation packages because they can give out they can't. It's hard to give out full shares of three thousand dollars shares of Amazon for your employee stock compensation plans. But aside from that, it makes the contracts on the options a lot cheaper. They're not so damn expensive when they're thousands of dollars for each one. So <clears throat> that kind of helps quite a bit. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on Palo Alto. Um, I know I saw this as big news. Well, not big news, but Kathy Wood's back buying the dip. She's almost become like Jim Cramer lately, though. She has like the Jim Cramer effect. Like for those... That's kind of like the jo- the inside joke uh, across like um, FinTwit, <laughs> the financial the financial uh, social media world, is that anytime Jim Cramer says something, take the opposite take and you'll make money. Like kind of how he doesn't he kind of doesn't make the right calls, right? And so Kathy Wood's been uh, kind of like that recently. Like every time she buys up a lot of stock in a company that she's she's had in her growth fund it takes a shit the next day. And that kind of happened with square. She bought up a bunch more of that and then it took a bigger dip. There seems to be quite hard resistance to square in the fifties. But if we go sub 58, sub 55, we're definitely going into the forties. So I'm going to look at that for an options for options stuff. But one thing that's interesting is, you know, we talked about square has, uh, they bought Afterpay, the buy now pay later company and a lot of new startups are coming into the buy now, pay later space. It's still one of those like hot sectors on Wall Street, especially in the fintech world. And, you know, Square bought Afterpay for all stock. But the way I look at it is, you know, that it was an expensive purchase, but it was an all stock purchase. So you can kind of look at it as Square selling at the top because they kind of did. Like if you look at when they bought Afterpay, it was an all stock trans- transaction. So, yeah, they paid a lot for it, but they also just used stock that was a lot higher in value. So, you could, like I said, they didn't... I just look at it as a big stock sell-off, like selling at the top. So, one little silver lining for some of you Square investors. I know a good handful of people listen to this are because if you listen to this, you, there's no way you haven't bought Square stock by listening to me over these episodes. But... <clears throat> it's one that's just, especially now it's so cheap. I just keep, it's so easy to add a few here and there. I haven't bought, I haven't been buying, I haven't bought it since, uh, I think I bought some last week in like the sixties, like 64, 64. I bought it. Now I'll wait for the next digit to go next, uh, not next digit, the next, um, uh, like next tier down. I'll buy in the fifties and then in the forties, if it goes there and then the thirties and then past that we're all dead. So that'll be fun. Man, Airbnb sub 90 right now is really attractive. But again, all this stuff I still think is going to go further down. So I, I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on this. But man, these prices are quite attractive at the moment. The only reason I don't find them, I, I'm not pulling the trigger is two reasons. One, cash. I want more cash on hand to make bigger purchases. And two, I just think there's a little bit more room down to go. So I think if I wait till end of year, or at least till after the election, around election time, I think I could uh, make some better purchases and in larger quantities. Because I'm still waiting for, the, I, like, again, Microsoft, Google, Apple, NVIDIA hit a 52-week low recently. Everyone's worried about the semiconductors taking a hit from the recession. Again, everything will. NVIDIA hitting a new 52-week low. That's one that's attractive. But I'm not pulling the trigger on them just yet. 
But if you have it, if you don't have anything in the game, if you don't have any skin in the game, now is truly a time to start looking into that. So this is more to people that are, this is like the first episode that they're listening to. And I always tell people to listen to the show. Like you don't have to go back and listen to previous episodes. It's kind of like a current events type thing where it's like, you, yeah, you could probably find pieces of information and nuggets of stuff throughout all of them if you really want to, but it's not necessary. I always tell people just start at the newest one. Maybe go back like two or three weeks, but going back a year, it's kind of a little like pointless. <laughs> like there's no the reason to go that far back into the old archive. Um, yeah, I just, there's, there's just no point to that. Don't do that to yourself. Ooh, you know the the target I think I'll look out to for Airbnb now that I think about it? Let's circle back to that. Like, it's sub-90 right now. But it was, like, pre-IPO price. Like, if you got it, like, day it went on sale, like, for the public, you could have bought it for, like, as low as, like, 130 I think. Maybe, like, I think it was, like, 150 was the cheap of that day. 150 bucks. It went up to, like, 170 180 But I think 150 was the cheapest you could have bought Airbnb that first day. And... But the IPO, the pre-IPO buyers were like, they got it for like 65 bucks a share, I think, in the 60s. I think it was 65. So I'm looking, I'm going to look out for that and see if I, if if Airbnb can get down into the, its pre-IPO range. Because that'd be sick. Because I remember being so jealous of people that had those stocks a day. Because I wasn't able to buy any. I didn't have pre-IPO access, any way to do it for that stock. And I knew I wanted Airbnb the day it went on sale, the day it IPO'd. I remember being on wall street that I, I mean not that i had to be on wall street to buy it but i remember being on wall street the day it went on it hit the it uh, ipo'd but once it hit 65 that'd be pretty sick that was again i was so jealous of all those people because the day it went on sale they had more than a double up the day that that stock hit the market it was 150 and then higher and then went to like i think the all-time high was like 220 something so crazy money and the reason I say it too is again we've mentioned it before textbook disruptive industry they can scale at lower at minimal cost and I know so many people trying to buy Airbnbs right now not buy Airbnbs but buy houses for Airbnbs buy uh, try to do different rentals that kind of thing I know uh, and so many people just finding that as that finding that opportunity and people will be using them left and right obviously people are still traveling this summer like crazy so. I think it's going to slow down. That'd be <laughs> such a bummer for Airbnb if like the the biggest, like the hottest, most expensive travel summer on like record and they're just everything's taking a shit because of the the macro events of the economy. <laughs> like the stock's just tanking. Um, but it'll be back. It'll come back up just like it all will. Let's keep telling it to ourselves. But in the meantime, we'll just keep trading options and keep playing it any way we can. Um, I need to do some studying still tonight. I'm trying to do like uh, an hour-ish of like options, studying and review a day. It's not like a hard rule, but I remember in high school, I wanted to get really good at drumming. For those of you that don't know, I was in a uh, marching band in high school and in college. Hello. Uh, played for two years, drumline, played snare drum, got really good at it in high school because I was like, fuck, I want to get really good at it. And I wanted to play in drum corps at the time. And I was like, how do I get good? And I would, people that played in core would practice for like two to three hours a day. So I just put it in my head. I was like, okay, three to five every day is practice time. And so, and I was like, so good about it. It was insane to the point that I'm like, it's kind of like my parents, I don't know how they didn't, 
think like, hey, are you okay? Did you like snap? Um, something like broke in your brain. Like, why are you just playing in your practice pad for two hours every day or more, three hours, just drumming away? Anyways, got really good about it because I put the fucking work in at the time and actually did all the, you know, the rudiments and all that shit. So taking that same approach to options, you know, just consistency, studying the videos. I'll, I'll, if people want to know what I'm, what I'm reading or studying, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to send you videos on stuff. Um, there's endless resources on YouTube. That's kind of the, one of the hardest parts right now. I feel like with the options game and just with finance stuff on the fin, the fin twit movement, it's, there's a lot of noise and a lot of like fakers <clears throat> and a lot of uh, pretenders. I guess same word, same, same thing, whatever. So sifting through that's kind of the tough part, but handful of books. Uh, there was one, I don't have it on me. Where is it at? I think it's the other room. It's the uh, the mental game of trading. That's a really good one. Um, that was recommended by Jake Ricci of Rake Trades, that Discord. Um, who oh shout out sent me some uh, who Venmoed me a birth some birthday money for uh, my birthday two weeks ago. Um, so shout out to Jake for that. I don't think he listens to this podcast, but <laughs> uh, we'll have him on it eventually. I guarantee that I'll have him on. He uh, low-key wants to be a stand-up comedian, like they all do. Um, that's why it's fun to have been in comedy as long as I have and done it to the extent because I meet some of these options traders, these people in the FinTwit world who are like comedy fanboys and then they want to <laughs> become friends of mine. That's how I became good friends with, with uh, the Keanu Discord fellas and with Keanu because he's a comedy fanboy and that's how we became homies. Um who FaceTimed me on my birthday. See? What are you all doing on my birthday? Jake sends me a Venmo. Keanu gives me a FaceTime. I mean, come on, guys. Get it together. Anyways. Um, but Jake, I bring up Jake Ricci because he mentioned... One of the big things he pre He preaches a lot about the psychology of trading and how like you really have to control your, your emotions and your mental game a lot. I know a handful of people talk about that too, but he's very persistent about that on the daily. And so that book he recommended, The Mental Game of Trading, going through that one around. I'm not done with it. I'm only like a third of the way through. So I don't have any. It's good. I don't have like a full uh, review on it or recommendation. But he recommend, recommends it hard along with. So I would say that book, Japanese Candlestick Charting Techniques, second edition. And there's one more. Hang on. I haven't read this one yet, but I'll mention it before I get off here because I don't think I have much more else to talk about. But... Where was it at? It's under my Amazon. Uh, There's a couple of them. Trading in the Zone. That one I've seen uh, a lot of people talk highly of. And also, you always know it's a good, like it's a pot, it's a really good book when it's when you see it on Amazon and it's not available for like a cheap price. It's always just like find elsewhere. We don't have it, so that's always a good sign. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got. Let's do a quick uh, recap. Oh, shit. I just like threw my phone. Hey, the iPhone, not bad. It's not bad. It's pretty uh, not indestructible, but I'm surprised at how good this screen is. I'm just making sure. Oh, I meant to forget to mention this. The SEC rejected Grayscale's application to convert the massive Grayscale Bitcoin trust into an ETF. I remember crypto dorks talking about that for a long time. 
I'll be like, oh, just wait till they add it to the, the Bitcoin ETF is coming. Well, that officially got shut down by the SEC. And Bitcoin is still uh, sub 20K, I think. Let's do, a, yeah, before we get out of here, we'll talk about crypto. The only thing I talk about crypto is Bitcoin. I'm just going to check the price real quick and see what it's at. I don't check it very much. Oh, dang, it's back over 20,000. I guess there is a good, like, buy support around that 20,000 range from what we've noticed the last couple of weeks. I'm not, I haven't bought more Bitcoin yet at these levels, but I really should in the next week or so, even if it's just like a hundred bucks, just so I can look at my account and be like, I bought more at 20,000. I haven't done it yet. I'll look into that just because it's, it's again, just like everything could go quite a bit lower, but I, I don't see Bitcoin going that much lower than like 15,000. And we're pretty much there. Like to me, it was at like 17,000 today at some point. So we're basically already there, but I don't see it going much lower than that. I really don't. With everything that's that's behind it now, I, I just don't see it. You have far more upside than downside. And like I like to say in many situations, find a better lottery ticket. All right. That 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 goes that that kind of holds for like a lot of big tech right now. And a lot of those companies, the S&P, the S&P 500 that have been clobbered. We're starting 52 years. Do we have more downside? Yes. But your downside is far less than your upside. That is that is a guarantee. That's what the that's what the fucking people on Wall that's what the Wall Street article should be saying. The financial media should be saying. Where there's a bottom soon. Just say your downside. That's the way you should present it. Your downside is far far less and much closer than your upside. No doubt. With Bitcoin, with Apple, with Google, with Amazon, with a lot of those big tech stocks. Not with all of them. Some of the high growth tech stocks aren't coming back. I'm sorry. I don't want to list out certain ones, but like Palantir, it might be a minute until it's back at 50 bucks or 40, whatever it was. Right. So outside of that, find a better lottery ticket. I mean, you can't, you just can't. It's that simple. All right. I got to get out of here. Ooh, maybe I'll do my taxes this July. Maybe I'll do my taxes this month. They owe me a couple thousand. Maybe that'll be a way to get a little boost extra cash, a little Bitcoin cash. That might be a, that'll be my fun side project. I'll call it out now so I can hold myself to it. Taxes and lottery tickets. Here we go, baby. All right. I'm out of here. Have a good week.